Letter twenty of Clarissa Harlowe, or the History of a Young Lady, Volume five. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Clarissa Harlowe, or the History of a Young Lady, Volume five, by Samuel Richardson. Letter twenty. Mr. Lovelace to John Belford, Esquire. A letter is put into my hands by Wilson himself. Such a letter! A letter from Miss Howe to her cruel friend. I made no scruple to open it. It is a miracle that I fell not into fits at the reading of it, and at the thought of what might have been the consequence had it come into the hands of this Clarissa Harlowe. Let my justly excited rage excuse my irreverence. Collins, though not his day, brought it this afternoon to Wilson's, with a particular desire that it might be sent with all speed to Miss Beaumont's lodgings, and given, if possible, into her own hands. He had before been here, at Mrs. Sinclair's, with intent to deliver it to the lady with his own hand, but was told, too truly told, that she was abroad, but that they would give her anything he should leave for her the moment she returned. But he cared not to trust them with his business, and went away to Wilson's, as I find by the description of him at both places, and there left the letter, but not till he had a second time called here, and found her not come in. The letter, which I shall enclose, for it is too long to transcribe, will account to thee for Collins's coming hither. Oh, this devilish Miss Howe! Something must be resolved upon and done with that little fury. Thou wilt see the margin of this cursed letter crowded with indices, I put them to mark the places which call for vengeance upon the vixen writer, or which require animadversion. Return thou it to me, the moment thou hast perused it. Read it here, and avoid trembling for me, if thou canst. To Miss Letitia Beaumont, Wednesday, June 7th. My dearest friend, you will perhaps think that I have been too long silent, but I had begun two letters at different times since my last, and written a great deal each time, and with spirit enough, I assure you, incensed as I was against the abominable wretch you are with, particularly on reading yours of the twenty-first of the past month the first i intended to keep open till i could give you some account of my proceedings with mrs townsend it was some days before i saw her and this intervenient space giving me time to reperuse what i had written i thought it proper to lay that aside and to write in a style a little less fervent for you would have blamed me i know for the freedom of some of my expressions execrations if you please and when i had gone a good way in the second the change in your prospects on his communicating to you miss montague's letter and his better behaviour occasioning a change in your mind i laid that aside also and in this uncertainty thought i would wait to see the issue of affairs between you before i wrote again believing that all would soon be decided one way or other i had still perhaps held this resolution as every appearance according to your letters was more and more promising had not the two past days furnished me with intelligence which it highly imports you to know but i must stop here and take a little walk to try to keep down that just indignation which rises to my pen when i am about to relate to you what i must communicate i am not my own mistress enough then my mother always up and down and watching as if i were writing to a fellow but i will try if i can contain myself in tolerable bounds the women of the house where you are oh my dear the women of the house but you never thought highly of them so it cannot be very surprising nor would you have stayed so long with them had not the notion of removing to one of your own made you less uneasy and less curious about their characters and behaviour yet i could now wish that you had been less reserved among them but i tease you in short my dear you are certainly in a devilish house be assured that the woman is one of the vilest women nor does she go to you by her right name very true her name is not sinclair nor is the street she lives in dover street did you never go out by yourself and discharge the coach or chair and return by another coach or chair if you did yet i don't remember that you ever wrote to me that you did you would never have found your way to the vile house either by the woman's name sinclair or by the street's name mentioned by that dolman in his letter about the lodgings 
the wretch might indeed have held out these false lights a little more excusably had the house been an honest house and had his end only been to prevent mischief from your brother but this contrivance was antecedent as i think to your brother's project so that no excuse can be made for his intentions at the time the man whatever he may now intend was certainly then even then a villain in his heart i am excessively concerned that i should be prevailed upon between your over-niceness on one hand and my mother's positiveness on the other to be satisfied without knowing how to direct you at your lodgings i think too that the proposal that i should be put off to a third-hand knowledge or rather veiled in a first-hand ignorance came from him and that it was only acquiesced in you as it was by me upon needless and weak considerations because truly i might have it to say if challenged that i knew not where to send to you i am ashamed of myself had this been at first excusable it could not be a good reason for going on in the folly when you had no liking to the house and when he began to play tricks and delay with you what i was to mistrust myself was i i was to allow it to be thought that i could not keep my own secret but the house to be taken at this time and at that time led us both on like fools like tame fools in a string upon my life my dear this man is a vile a contemptible villain i must speak out how has he laughed in his sleeve at us both i warrant for i can't tell how long and yet who could have thought that a man of fortune and some reputation this dolman i mean not your rich to be sure formerly a rake indeed i inquired after him long ago and so was the easier satisfied but married to a woman of family having had a palsy blow and one would think a penitent should recommend such a house why my dear he could not inquire of it but must find it to be bad to such a man as lovelace to bring his future nay his then supposed bride to i write perhaps with too much violence to be clear but i cannot help it yet i lay down my pen and take it up every ten minutes in order to write with some temper my mother too in and out what need i she asked me lock myself in if i am only reading past correspondences for that is my pretence when she comes poking in with her face sharpened to an edge as i may say by a curiosity that gives her more pain than pleasure the lord forgive me but i believe i shall huff her next time she comes in do you forgive me too my dear my mother ought because she says i am my father's girl and because i am sure i am hers i don't know what to do i don't know what to write next i have so much to write yet have so little patience and so little opportunity but i will tell you how i came by my intelligence that being a fact and requiring the less attention i will try to account to you for that thus then it came about miss lardner whom you have seen at her cousin biddle's saw you at st james's church on sunday was fortnight she kept you in her eye during the whole time but she could not once obtain the notice of yours though she curtsied to you twice she thought to pay her compliments to you when the service was over for she doubted not but you were married and for an odd reason because you came to church by yourself every eye as usual wherever you are she said was upon you and this seeming to give you hurry and you being nearer the door than she you slid out before she could get to you but she ordered her servant to follow you till you were housed this servant saw you step into a chair which waited for you and you ordered the men to carry you to the place where they took you up the next day miss lardner sent the same servant out of mere curiosity to make private inquiry whether mr lovelace were or were not with you there and this inquiry brought out from different people that the house was suspected to be one of those genteel wicked houses which receive and accommodate fashionable people of both sexes miss lardner confounded at this strange intelligence made further inquiry enjoining secrecy to the servant she had sent as well as to the gentleman whom she employed who had it confirmed from a rakish friend who knew the house and told him that there were two houses the one in which all decent appearances were preserved and guests rarely admitted the other the receptacle of those who were absolutely engaged and broken to the vile yoke so my dear creature say shall i not execrate the wretch but words are weak 
what can i say that will suitably express my abhorrence of such a villain as he must have been when he meditated to carry a clarissa to such a place miss lardner kept this to herself some days not knowing what to do for she loves you and admires you of all women at last she revealed it but in confidence to miss biddulph by letter miss biddulph in like confidence being afraid it would distract me were i to know it communicated it to miss lloyd and so like a whispered scandal it passed through several canals and then it came to me which was not till last monday i thought i should have fainted upon the surprising communication but rage taking place it blew away the sudden illness i besought miss lloyd to re-enjoin secrecy to every one i told her that i would not for the world that my mother or any of your family should know it and i instantly caused a trusty friend to make what inquiries he could about tomlinson i had thoughts to have done it before i had this intelligence but not imagining it to be needful and little thinking that you could be in such a house and as you were pleased with your changed prospects i forbore and the rather forbore as the matter is so laid that mrs hodges is supposed to know nothing of the projected treaty of accommodation but on the contrary that it was designed to be a secret to her and to everybody but immediate parties and it was mrs hodges that i had proposed to sound by a second hand now my dear it is certain without applying to that too much favoured housekeeper that there is not such a man within ten miles of your uncle very true one tomkins there is about four miles off but he is a day labourer and one thompson about five miles distant the other way but he is a parish schoolmaster poor and about seventy a man thought but of eight hundred pounds a year cannot come from one country to settle in another but everybody in both must know it and talk of it mrs hodges may yet be sounded at a distance if you will your uncle is an old man old men imagine themselves under obligation to their paramours if younger than themselves and seldom keep anything from their knowledge but if we suppose him to make secret of this design treaty it is impossible before that treaty was thought of but she must have seen him at least have heard your uncle speak praisefully of a man he is said to be so intimate with let him have been ever so little a while in those parts yet methinks the story is so plausible tomlinson as you describe him is so good a man and so much of a gentleman the end to be answered by his being an impostor so much more than necessary if lovelace has villainy in his head and as you are in such a house your wretch's behaviour to him was so petulant and lordly and tomlinson's answer so full of spirit and circumstance and then what he communicated to you of mr hickman's application to your uncle and of mrs norton's to your mother some of which particulars i am satisfied his vile agent joseph leman could not reveal to his vile employer his pressing on the marriage day in the name of your uncle which it could not answer any wicked purpose for him to do and what he writes of your uncle's proposal to have it thought that you were married from the time that you have lived in one house together and that to be made to agree with the time of mr hickman's visit to your uncle and the insisting on a trusty person's being present at the ceremony at that uncle's nomination these things make me willing to try for a tolerable construction to be made of all though i am so much puzzled by what occurs on both sides of the question that i cannot but abhor the devilish wretch whose inventions and contrivances are for ever employing an inquisitive head as mine is without affording the means of absolute detection but this is what i am ready to conjecture that tomlinson specious as he is is a machine of lovelace and that he is employed for some end which has not yet been answered this is certain that not only tomlinson but menel who i think attended you more than once at this vile house must know it to be a vile house what can you then think of tomlinson's declaring himself in favour of it upon inquiry lovelace too must know it to be so if not before he brought you to it soon after perhaps the company he found there may be the most probable way of accounting for his bearing with the house and for his strange suspensions of marriage when it was in his power to call such an angel of a woman his oh my dear the man is a villain the greatest of villains in every light i am convinced that he is and this dolman must be another of his implements 
there are so many wretches who think that to be no sin which is one of the greatest and most ungrateful of all sins to ruin young creatures of our sex who place their confidence in them that the wonder is less than the shame that people of appearance at least are found to promote the horrid purposes of profligates of fortune and interest but can i think you will ask with indignant astonishment that lovelace can have designs upon your honour that such designs he has had if he still hold them or not i can have no doubt now that i know the house he has brought you to to be a vile one this is a clue that has led me to account for all his behaviour to you ever since you have been in his hands allow me a brief retrospection of it all we both know that pride revenge and a delight to tread in unbeaten paths are principal ingredients in the character of this finished libertine he hates all your family yourself excepted and i have several times thought that i have seen him stung and mortified that love has obliged him to kneel at your footstool because you are a harlow yet is this wretch a savage in love love that humanizes the fiercest spirits has not been able to subdue his his pride and the credit which a few plausible qualities sprinkled among his odious ones have given him have secured him too good a reception from our eye-judging our undistinguishing our self-flattering our too confiding sex to make assiduity and obsequiousness and a conquest of his unruly passions any part of his study he has some reason for his animosity to all the men and to one woman of your family he has always shown you and his own family too that he prefers his pride to his interest he is a declared marriage-hater a notorious intriguer full of his inventions and glorying in them he never could draw you into declarations of love nor till your wise relations persecuted you as they did to receive his addresses as a lover he knew that you professedly disliked him for his immoralities he could not therefore justly blame you for the coldness and indifference of your behaviour to him the prevention of mischief was your first main view in the correspondence he drew you into he ought not then to have wondered that you declared your preference of the single life to any matrimonial engagement he knew that this was always your preference and that before he tricked you away so artfully what was his conduct to you afterwards that you should of a sudden change it thus was your whole behaviour regular consistent and dutiful to those to whom by birth you owed duty and neither prudish coquettish nor tyrannical to him he had agreed to go on with you upon those your own terms and to rely only on his own merits and future reformation for your favour it was plain to me indeed to whom you communicated all that you knew of your own heart though not all of it that i found out that love had pretty early gained footing in it and this you yourself would have discovered sooner than you did had not his alarming his unpolite his rough conduct kept it under i knew by experience that love is a fire that is not to be played with without burning one's fingers i knew it to be a dangerous thing for two single persons of different sexes to enter into familiarity and correspondence with each other since as to the latter must not a person be capable of premeditated art who can sit down to write and not write from the heart and a woman to write her heart to a man practised in deceit or even to a man of some character what advantage does it give him over her as this man's vanity had made him imagine that no woman could be proof against love when his address was honourable no wonder that he struggled like a lion held in toils against a passion that he thought not returned and how could you at first show a return in love to so fierce a spirit and who had seduced you away by vile artifices but to the approval of those artifices hence perhaps it is not difficult to believe that it became possible for such a wretch as this to give way to his old prejudices against marriage and to that revenge which had always been a first passion with him this is the only way i think to account for his horrid views in bringing you to a vile house and now may not all the rest be naturally accounted for his delays his teasing ways his bringing you to bear with his lodging in the same house his making you pass to the people of it as his wife though restrictively so yet with hope no doubt vilest of villains as he is to take you at an advantage 
his bringing you into the company of his libertine companions the attempt of imposing upon you that miss partington for a bedfellow very probably his own invention for the worst of purposes his terrifying you at many different times his obtruding himself upon you when you went out to church no doubt to prevent your finding out what the people of the house were the advantages he made of your brother's foolish project with singleton see my dear how naturally all this follows from the discovery made by miss lardner see how the monster whom i thought and so often called a fool comes out to have been all the time one of the greatest villains in the world but if this is so what it would be asked by an indifferent person has hitherto saved you glorious creature what morally speaking but your watchfulness what but that and the majesty of your virtue the native dignity which in a situation so very difficult friendless destitute passing for a wife cast into the company of creatures accustomed to betray and ruin innocent hearts has hitherto enabled you to baffle overawe and confound such a dangerous libertine as this so habitually remorseless as you have observed him to be so very various in his temper so inventive so seconded so supported so instigated too probably as he has been that native dignity that heroism i will call it which has on all proper occasions exerted itself in its full lustre unmingled with that charming obligingness and condescending sweetness which is evermore the softener of that dignity when your mind is free and unapprehensive let me stop to admire and to bless my beloved friend who unhappily for herself at an age so tender unacquainted as she was with the world and with the vile arts of libertines having been called upon to sustain the hardest and most shocking trials from persecuting relations on one hand and from a villainous lover on the other has been enabled to give such an illustrious example of fortitude and prudence as never woman gave before her and who as i have heretofore observed has made a far greater figure in adversity than she possibly could have made had all her shining qualities been exerted in their full force and power by the continuance of that prosperous run of fortune which attended her for eighteen years of life out of nineteen but now my dear do i apprehend that you are in greater danger than ever yet you have been in if you are not married in a week and yet stay in this abominable house for were you out of it i own i should not be much afraid for you these are my thoughts on the most deliberate consideration that he is now convinced that he has not been able to draw you off your guard that therefore if he can obtain no new advantage over you as he goes along he is resolved to do you all the poor justice that it is in the power of such a wretch as he to do you he is the rather induced to this as he sees that all his own family have warmly engaged themselves in your cause and that it is his highest interest to be just to you then the horrid wretch loves you as well he may above all women i have no doubt of this with such a love as such a wretch is capable of with such a love as herod loved his marianne he is now therefore very probably at last in earnest i took time for inquiries of different natures as i knew by the train you are in that whatever his designs are they cannot ripen either for good or evil till something shall result from this device of his about tomlinson and your uncle a device i have no doubt that it is whatever this dark this impenetrable spirit intends by it yet i find it to be true that counsellor williams whom mr hickman knows to be a man of eminence in his profession has actually as good as finished the settlements that two drafts of them have been made one avowedly to be sent to one captain tomlinson as the clerk says and i find that a license has actually been more than once endeavoured to be obtained and that difficulties have hitherto been made equally to lovelace's vexation and disappointment my mother's proctor who is very intimate with the proctor applied to by the wretch has come at this information in confidence and hints that as mr lovelace is a man of high fortunes these difficulties will probably be got over but here follow the causes of my apprehension of your danger which i should not have had a thought of since nothing very vile has yet been attempted but on finding what a house you are in and on that discovery laying together and ruminating on past occurrences you are obliged from the present favourable appearances to give him your company whenever he requests it 
you are under necessity of forgetting or seeming to forget past his obligations and to receive his addresses as those of a betrothed lover you will incur the censure of prudery and affectation even perhaps in your own apprehension if you keep him at that distance which has hitherto been your security his sudden and a suddenly recovered illness has given him an opportunity to find out that you love him alas my dear i knew you loved him he is as you relate every hour more and more an encroacher upon it he has seemed to change his nature and his all love and gentleness the wolf has put on the sheep's clothing yet more than once has shown his teeth and his hardly sheathed claws the instance you have given of his freedom with your person which you could not but resent and yet as matters are circumstanced between you could not but pass over when tomlinson's letter called you into his company show the advantage he has now over you and also that if he can obtain greater he will and for this very reason as i apprehend it is that tomlinson is introduced that is to say to give you the greater security and to be a mediator if mortal offence be given you by any villainous attempt the day seems not now to be so much in your power as it ought to be since that now partly depends on your uncle whose presence at your own motion he has wished on the occasion a wish were all real very unlikely i think to be granted and thus situated should he offer greater freedoms must you not forgive him i fear nothing as i know who has said that devil carnate or incarnate can fairly do against a virtue so established but surprises my dear in such a house as you are in and in such circumstances as i have mentioned i greatly fear the man one who has already triumphed over persons worthy of his alliance what then have you to do but to fly this house this infernal house oh that your heart would let you fly the man if you should be disposed so to do mrs townsend shall be ready at your command but if you meet with no impediments no new causes of doubt i think your reputation in the eye of the world though not your happiness is concerned that you should be his and yet i cannot bear that these libertines should be rewarded for their villainy with the best of the sex when the worst of it are too good for them but if you meet with the least ground for suspicion if he would detain you at the odious house or wish you to stay now you know what the people are fly him whatever your prospects are as well as them in one of your next airings if you have no other way refuse to return with him name me for your intelligencer that you are in a bad house and if you think you cannot now break with him seem rather to believe that he may not know it to be so and that i do not believe he does and yet this belief in us both must appear to be very gross but suppose you desire to go out of town for the air this sultry weather and insist upon it you may plead your health for so doing he dare not resist such a plea your brother's foolish scheme i am told is certainly given up so you need not be afraid on that account if you do not fly the house upon reading of this or some way or other get out of it i shall judge of his power over you by the little you will have over either him or yourself one of my informers has made such slight inquiries concerning mrs fretchville did he ever name to you the street or square she lived in i don't remember that you in any of yours mentioned the place of her abode to me strange very strange this i think no such person or house can be found near any of the new streets or squares where the lights i had from your letters led me to imagine her house might be ask him what street the house is in if he has not told you and let me know if you make a difficulty of that circumstance it will amount to a detection and yet i think you will have enough without this i shall send this long letter by collins who changes his day to oblige me and that he may try now i know where you are to get it into your own hands if he cannot he will leave it at wilson's as none of our letters by that conveyance have miscarried when you have been in more apparently disagreeable situations than you are in at present i hope that this will go safe if collins should be obliged to leave it there i wrote a short letter to you in my first agitations it contained not above twenty lines all full of fright alarm and execration 
but being afraid that my vehemence would too much affect you, I thought it better to wait a little, as well for the reasons already hinted at, as to be able to give you as many particulars as I could, and my thoughts upon all. And as they have offered, or may offer, you will be sufficiently armed to resist all his machinations, be what they will. One word more. Command me up, if I can be of the least service or pleasure to you. I value not fame, I value not censure, nor even life itself, I verily think, as I do your honour and your friendship. For is not your honour my honour, and is not your friendship the pride of my life? May heaven preserve you, my dearest creature, in honour and safety, is the prayer, the hourly prayer, of your ever faithful and affectionate Anna Howe. Thursday morning, 5th. I have written all night. To Miss Howe, my dearest creature, how you have shocked, confounded, surprised, astonished me by your dreadful communication. My heart is too weak to bear up against such a stroke as this, when all hope was with me, when my prospects were so much mended. But can there be such villainy in men as in this vile principal and equally vile agent? I am really ill, very ill, grief and surprise, and now I will say despair have overcome me. All, all you have laid down as conjecture appears to me now to be more than conjecture. Oh, that your mother would have the goodness to permit me the presence of the only comforter that my afflicted, my half-broken heart could be raised by. But I charge you, think not of coming up without her indulgent permission. I am too ill at present, my dear, to think of combating with this dreadful man, and of flying from this horrid house. My bad writing will show you this, but my illness will be my present security, should he indeed have meditated villainy. Forgive, oh, forgive me, my dearest friend, the trouble I have given you. All must soon. But why add I grief to grief, and trouble to trouble? But I charge you, my beloved creature, not to think of coming up without your mother's love to the truly desolate and broken-spirited Clarissa Harlowe. Well, Jack, and what thinkest thou of this last letter? Miss Howe values not either fame or censure, and thinkest thou that this letter will not bring the little fury up, though she could procure no other conveyance than her higgler's panniers, one for herself, the other for her maid? She knows whither to come now, Many a little villain have I punished for knowing more than I would have her know, and that by adding to her knowledge and experience. What thinkest thou, Belford, if by getting hither this virago, and giving cause for a lamentable letter from her to the fair fugitive, I should be able to recover her? Would she not visit that friend in her distress, thinkest thou, whose intended visit to her in hers, brought her into the condition from which she herself had so perfidiously escaped? Let me enjoy the thought. Shall I send this letter? Thou seest I have left room, if I fail in the exact imitation of so charming a hand, to avoid too strict a scrutiny. Do they not both deserve it of me? Seest thou now how the raving girl threatens her mother? Ought she not to be punished? And can I be a worse devil, or villain, or monster, that she calls me in the long letter I enclose, and has called me in her former letters? Were I to punish them both, as my vengeance urges me to punish them? And when I have executed that my vengeance, how charmingly satisfied may they both go down into the country, and keep house together, and have a much better reason than their pride could give them, for living the single life they have both seemed so fond of. I will set about transcribing it this moment, I think. I can resolve afterwards. Yet what has poor Hickman done to deserve this of me? But gloriously would it punish the mother, as well as daughter, for all her sordid avarice, and for her undutifulness to honest Mr. Howe, whose heart she actually broke. I am on tiptoe, Jack, to enter upon this project. Is not one country as good to me as another, if I should be obliged to take another tour upon it? But I will not venture. Hickman is a good man, they tell me. I love a good man. I hope one of these days to be a good man myself. Besides, I have heard within this week something of this honest fellow that shows he has a soul, when well, I thought, if he had one, that it lay a little of the deepest to emerge to notice, except on very extraordinary occasions, and that then it presently sunk again into its cellular adiposa. The man is a plump man. Didst ever see him, Jack? 
but the principal reason that withholds me for tis a tempting project is for fear of being utterly blown up if i should not be quick enough with my letter or if miss howe should deliberate on setting out to try her mother's consent first in which time a letter from my frighted beauty might reach her for i have no doubt wherever she has refuged but her first work was to write to her vixen friend i will therefore go on patiently and take my revenge upon the little fury at my leisure but in spite of my compassion for hickman whose better character is sometimes my envy and who is one of those mortals that bring clumsiness into credit with the mothers to the disgrace of us clever fellows and often to our disappointment with the daughters and who has been very busy in assisting these double-armed beauties against me i swear by all the dii majores as well as minores that i will have miss howe if i cannot have her more exalted friend and then if there be as much flaming love between these girls as they pretend will my charmer profit by her escape and now that i shall permit miss howe to reign a little longer let me ask thee if thou hast not in the enclosed letter a fresh instance that a great many of my difficulties with her sister toast are owing to this flighty girl tis true that here was naturally a confounded sharp winter air and if a little cold water was thrown into the path no wonder that it was instantly frozen and that the poor honest traveller found it next to impossible to keep his way one foot sliding back as fast as the other advanced to the endangering of his limbs or neck but yet i think it impossible that she should have baffled me as she has done novice as she is and never before from under her parents wings had she not been armed by a virago who was formerly very near showing that she could better advise and practise but this i believe i have said more than once before i am loath to reproach myself now the cruel creature has escaped me for what would that do but add to my torment since evil self-caused and avoidable admit not of palliation or comfort and yet if thou tellest me that all her strength was owing to my weakness and that i have been a cursed coward in this whole affair why then jack i may blush and be vexed but by my soul i cannot contradict thee but this belford i hope that if i can turn the poison of the enclosed letter into wholesome ailment that is to say if i can make use of it to my advantage i shall have thy free consent to do it i am always careful to open covers cautiously and to preserve seals entire i will draw out from this cursed letter an alphabet nor was nick Rowe ever half so diligent to learn spanish at the quixote recommendation of a certain peer as i will be to gain the mastery of this vixen's hand End of letter twenty.